and sorrows to drum And I know that it's weird But I drink a scent down And I long to be held in her highest Hey, how's it going? And welcome back to another episode of the More Than Punk podcast. I'm Seb Mackay, and this week I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Ben Marwood, who wrote this song here. It's called Tell Avril Lavigne I Didn't Want to Be Her Stupid Boyfriend Anyway, and we chat a fair bit about why Ben would or wouldn't want to be Avril's boyfriend. It's a super cool episode um, because it's actually 10 years this Sunday from when this record that you're listening to right now called There's a Curse Outside came out. Ben Marwood has been around the sort of folk emo scene here in the UK for a very long time. He's been taking a break from touring uh, and from releasing music, but we have good news in that there's a new album that is currently being worked on. We don't know when it's going to come out, uh, but he has been chipping away at writing songs. This episode is a very wide-ranging conversation. We took everything music industry, songwriting, Frank Turner, Cats, and we even cover off horror films a little bit too. So this is my conversation with Ben Marwood. You're here on the More Than Punk podcast. This fear in my head that continues to roll that I'm so fucking scared because I'm not in control. Still I long to be held in her highest regard with not so much a kiss, more a meeting of lips in the dark. Hello, hello. Hello, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. I think you can hear me okay. I can. You are one punctual guy. Yeah, that's what we like. Punk yeah, rock is about punctuality or something like that. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It's funny, You, I, I, I do a lot of these things and um, always end up in this weird situation where like, I'm sitting there for like five minutes beforehand, like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, because you can't like do anything before, right? And I was doing an interview with Chris from Less Than Jake a while ago, and he's like you. He's one punctual motherfucker. And before I know it, I'm just like fiddling with my webcam, and his name pops up on the screen. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's good to finally be able to get a chance to speak to you, man. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. Man, how long has this podcast been running for? Um, I think we're coming up on episode 20. So I think this is episode 18 or 19. Nice. All right. It's cool. It's gone so fast, dude. Like it kind of, so I started my life in the music industry. Wow. So long ago, wait, and eight years ago or something. And I sort of fell out of it for a bit. And I, and I guess that's something that a lot of people go through. Cause you know, I mean, you know what it's like as a musician, but no one really talks about the journalism side of things and that whole, and I sort of use journalism in air quotes here, but a lot of people will be like, yeah, you can write for us, but we're not going to pay you. Um, so there's a lot of like, oh, I have to get a real job. And then I just sort of got back into it. And after, I don't want to say activating a few contacts, sounds like I haven't slipped out of my corporate <laughs> speak. I sound like an absolute wanker when I say that. Um, after hitting up a few people that I knew, it just started to to like really come back. And it was started off as weekly. And it's still kind of weekly, but I've got people emailing me like, when's this going to go out? And I'm like, fuck. So it's a real good thing. <laughs> Like I, I am. Um, I record a podcast like a uh, monthly. We like it's a, a, fr- a friend of mine set up many years ago. It's like it's called Edit Radio. It's a it's like a month. It's like a weekly new music podcast. But we there's like four of us, and we each take in turns to do like one a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, talk and, to me about that. Well, it's 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 really good fun, but there is so much editing to do. There's so much editing to do, mm-hmm. um, because to stop myself rambling, I try and keep every podcast like within forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are some days where I've just rambled on about such shit and then i then i have to try and edit it down as, as, to, as to, so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with chopping stuff out there'll be stuff which like i i i'm i think is absolute gold and then when i listen to it back i'm like okay that that was about nothing and it was two minutes of the podcast so snip so there you go so i'm i'm all in favor of editing out uh anything that doesn't work 
It's it's a funny thing, you know. I was talking to um, Nigel Powell from Sad Song Co. the other day, and we were he's talking wonderful. about. Isn't he an amazing guy? He's a wonderful man. I love him to bits. I had this awkward story that I that I told him because apparently I'm really good at sharing awkward stories about how I've almost met people on the podcast. And um, he was playing with Frank Turner in Auckland a few years ago. And they were all hanging out after the show and, and all that sort of shit. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the Sleeping Souls. I should go and talk to them. And I got so scared. And I was <laughs> like, uh, maybe not. And I remember I I went and talked to Tarrant. And I was like, yeah, cool. So, uh, yep. And I, and, I, and I just, and I was like, at this point, I did this for a fucking job. But, like, out of, out of like, having a reason to be sitting talking to someone, I was just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to talk about. So... <laughs> Man, I I love the sleeping cells to to bits that I I especially I like I owe I owe them so much especially Frank just they they have changed they changed my life it's you know it's I could I could wax lyrical for hours but uh, I won't I mean we totally should you know most um like they're such a great band but they're also such amazing guys I think it's just it's so understated how sweet those guys are. Yeah, and they they work so hard as well. Yeah. I, I don't really know. It must be difficult for them this year, especially or or last year, including the the general pandemic, and and what they like having spent so long on the road. What what do you do when the when the road generally isn't there for you anymore? Yeah, kind of thing. It must it must be really tough. Yeah, it must it must be crazy. And I I think for a long time, and it's kind of weird having a podcast talking about people that aren't here. But like, I remember um, hearing that Frank didn't have a house for years because he just toured all the time, so he just yeah. kept everything in a suitcase. And I was like, what must his life be like now? You know? Yeah, I th- I remember having a conversation with Frank on th- on this topic about ten years ago, where we were like uh, we were out on tour somewhere, uh, and he was like, you know, if I could, I would just live on this bus. And that's it. Like he, he spent so long on the road that he didn't need a house because he just needed somewhere where he would keep his, his stuff effectively. Whether it was uh, when when I first met him back in, I guess it was must have been 2006 or maybe this story was 2007. Um, he, he was just carrying around with him this giant satchel effectively full of all his stuff. It's, that's you know, it's, and that's that's very different to kind of how I operate. I'm really uh, I need I need a base of operation. I get kind of I get kind of nervous if I don't have like a base to work from. Yeah, but he's 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 the opposite. He's so, he's fine wherever you put him, you know, I've, I feel like and this and this is a kind of funny thing. I feel like he's probably an outlier like that. But I know that I certainly have like dreams of just being that traveling troubadour. But I think I'm more closely in personality to you. Like the idea of not having somewhere to come back to kind of freaks me the fuck out. Yeah, like it's the, the idea of being this traveling uh this traveling person who just goes around and plays music and is like in a different town every night with a different set of people every night is so romantic mm. uh but it's also it can be quite detached from the reality of the, of the situation of trying to find a floor to sleep on and and then it being a really uncomfortable floor <laughs> <laughs> did you i mean did you go through a part in your career where you were like yes this is something that that i'm going to commit to or have you always kind of known that you operate better and you feel you know, healthier and more stable if you've got a base of operations. Uh, that's Otherwise known as a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or just anywhere. Uh, I I got into music. Well, I didn't get it. I, I got into doing the touring stuff really late because I, I just, throughout my 20s, I don't think I was really good enough to be doing it properly. So mm. by the time I got to it, I was maybe in my late 20s when we started touring and and by that time, I think there's like a natural need to have a base. And by then you've kind of set yourself up a base anyway. So I was always a bit, right, I have this base. And then, uh, oh God, if, if, it, if it turns out really successful, I'll have to make some kind of decision. And there was a point where I was almost there. I was almost at that point. Um, and, and then uh, my health failed on me. And, but, uh, and so that, that set me off on a different journey in my life. What's that? different journey being like because adjusting to those big changes is generally hard but i think if it pulls you away from the direction that you've always seen yourself going that's even harder right yeah it was it was really tough i'm not someone who it sounds bizarre i'm about to say this being like a singer songwriter who normally does solo shows i'm not one who loves that much attention like Mm -hmm. so to be when i was when i was ill and i realized that my life was changing uh and I told like the internet, I was really emotional about it. 
and I got such a like a huge positive response back and that just made me feel that made me feel a really good that people cared so much um but b like it was too much attention for what I want like I wanted to kind of go through almost by myself in a way um Mm -hmm. it was it was tough because every time I thought I was making progress I I would just hit another dip and it was really hard and it's still hard today although um I'm I'm better at dealing with it like the 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 whole part about illness I guess is that if you don't know when it's going to end uh then it makes you worry even more but at some point during the process you kind of have to find a way to push through that otherwise you'd be you'd be lying on your back forever just waiting for it all to be over uh but yeah so the health is still something which um which bothers me a lot i'm not in a position where i can really tour at the moment i can do the odd live show not that anyone can at the moment but um it's it's something which i'm i'm dealing with currently i've I've got some specialists to see even now like when did i i first got ill i guess it started like in the middle of 2013 but i didn't tell anyone um Mm -hmm. i didn't it didn't really kick in that i had to stop doing shows until 2014 and so we're looking now at it's coming up seven years uh of me kind of publicly kind of trying to deal with this and uh i feel like i'm almost no closer but that's that's largely because of the way that the the medical world works (laughs) unfortunately for me yeah it's an interesting thing you know a lot of the bands that i talk to are touring bands and and they always have been but i know that there's a pocket of musicians out there that don't tour the ones i'm thinking of are probably slightly more niche like cell dweller blue starly there's sort of um electronic rock you know these guys essentially sit in the studio make records put them out promote them online and the press or whatever but they never actually go anywhere i mean for you obviously touring is the ideal but is there some solace in the fact that you know because of the internet you can still exist as a musician yeah i mean that's i'm i'm very lucky i remember uh 20 years ago or so steve lamack uh, who i love to bits um would say uh, the only place that success comes before touring is in the dictionary. And mm-hmm. he was right at that time, but the internet is the the evolution of the music industry for better or worse. It, I, I'm so lucky that it means that I can still, you know, make music, release music, that that kind of thing. It's, uh, yeah. And it's nice to be able to connect with people too. That That's really important, especially when like it's, it's hell stuff. Like I, I enjoy knowing that there are still people out there who, who listen to my music and, and I enjoy the idea that, People are looking forward to whatever I make next, albeit really slowly at the moment, admittedly. But speaking of things that you make next, you have been posting studio photos online. So is that like a a nudge? Is this is this the scoop? Yeah. So we have. Ah, oh, yeah. I'm I'm working. I'm working on stuff, and I have been. I wrote half an album in 2018, and then I just I just had enough. I was like, you know what? No, no. I'm going to wander away and, and do other things. Kind of like I guess you were saying how you know you started off in music, and then you you kind of you kind of had to go off and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I, I just, I just had enough of fighting my own body to kind of do the thing, which I love, but was putting me through a lot of pain. Um, so I'd had some studio sessions in, um, 2018 in the, in the summer, we did some drum stems, stuff like that. Um, and then I did absolutely nothing with them. I didn't even look at them until last year when I was like, you know what, I feel, I feel kind of ready, um, to just kind of look at this stuff again. And so, yes, yeah, since then I've been, uh, down to the studio, I go to, to a couple of studios. One of them is um, Old Blacksmiths. The studio is down in Portsmouth. It's run by um, Nelly and Ben Winty, who are lovely, lovely people. Um, and they form part of, they used to form part of Oxygen Thief's touring band. I don't know if you're familiar with Oxygen oh, Thief. But yeah, yeah. What, wonderful, wonderful. Like he's one of my best friends. Uh, Barry is lovely. Uh, and he's one of the people who's responsible for me going my very first tour. And eventually when I couldn't handle stuff anymore, he kind of almost became tour manager, tour booker, uh, he is somebody who I would do anything for. Um, and his, his old band are equally lovely people. So they've got this studio that they purchased years ago down in, uh, just outside Portsmouth. They are continually working on upgrading stuff and, you know, they're, they've almost taken on like the production kind of side of, of, of my music, which is good because I do need a producer. Otherwise mm-hmm. all of my songs would sound exactly the same. You know, I mean, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that though. Right. That's not, but I've made three albums and I feel like the fourth one needs to be something slightly different, at least for me. Uh, I think when when people write music, the, f- the first album's really easy because it's just whatever whatever songs you've written. And mm. then by the time the second one rolls around, it's, oh, 
I've written this song, but it sounds exactly like something from album one, and I don't want to be Nickelback, so let's try something else. Um, you mean you don't want to be wildly successful? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's true, actually. Uh, uh, no, I don't want to be wildly successful. Who does? No. Um, but there, there, but yeah, there, I, I was always conscious of, well, I've already, I've already got an album that sounds like this, so what's my point of this next one? And kind of just changing them a little bit. And the good thing about working with new people for the album is they've got a whole bunch of new ideas, which I like naturally I wouldn't have been instinctively thought of. So that's kind of what we're working through at the minute. Admittedly, at the moment, the new songs are sounding much like the old ones, mm-hmm. but uh, maybe they won't by the end. Uh, it's, it's, it's good fun anyway. It's like I, I always say that going to a recording studio is the best way to spend money. I don't know of a different, a, a better way to spend that much money. It's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. There's so, there's just such cool places to hang out. It's. I mean, I'm I'm not musical by any stretch of the imagination, right? I, I tried to form a high school band as like sort of everybody does, and then realized that I was much better on this side, of the um of the industry. But yeah, even you know a short short amounts of time going in, hang out with artists, doing recordings, podcasts, that kind of shit. Like, they're just such nice places to be. That's good. I mean, if, if you don't mind me asking, then what was your first job in music? um it wow the tables had turned um i it's funny actually i was doing reviewing like album reviews and stuff and this is way this was so long ago that the albums would get posted out by mail and i would wait for them to get delivered and then i'd have about two days to listen to them before i'd have to write up a review and send it off to the magazine i'm with you i'm with you yeah right and then it's funny because I think at that time, especially in New Zealand, in that side of the music industry, it was very much a sense of like, we'll take people that can write, that can listen to music, kind of understand it, and, and you sort of go out there. But there's no sense of this is what it's like to do criticism, and this is what it's like to be a critic or to be a reviewer, right? And so you kind of learn from the the street press around you, I think was the, the biggest thing. And I remember I've tried to branch out to Australia. There was this magazine and I sent this guy a review and he absolutely shredded it. You know, he's like, who gives a shit if, if the music's too intense for you? Like, that's what people like. Like, you know, you need to you need to focus on how this fits in the culture and, and what it actually means for, um, you know, music as, as a whole, that, you know, specifically punk as a whole, that this band's released this album and where, and where does it fit? And that was kind of the awakening moment for me where I was like, Oh, okay. Like there's actually more to this reviewing side of things than like me spinning an album and then being like, ah, yeah, I guess it's fine. I'm not really hugely inspired. I'll just kind of write that. I've, I've definitely done a whole lot of shit that I would look back on now and think, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was, I fell into like a music journalism thing for a little while um, before like music really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, exactly the same. I just sit there, wait for some mail to turn up, listen to an album, write about the album. And then I, I imagine if I look back at what I've written back then, I'd be like, oh, what was I doing? But the 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 truth is, is, is music journalism is, is, is hard. It's hard to make it, things which are average sound more important than they are, I guess. Mm. Because it, on, on, on the face of things, most music that's released is average. That's why the average is the average. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's about pulling, pulling out and focusing on what is different and, and what is good, which I, I found that really hard. Yeah, I think I think it's a challenge. I enjoyed moving into interviewing more once I started to realize I could get away with a whole lot of different stuff. You know, like you, you kind of everyone st- and I'm sure it was probably the same for you. Everyone starts off with like, oh, how did you get into a band? How did you get into a guitar? Blah, 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 blah. But like when I started to realize that I could just ask bands random shit, that was when it started to really come together. And like I, I felt like I got you know, a style and a, a sense of like where I would fit. Um, I, I got in trouble once I was interviewing the devil was Prada and <laughs> you remember on those old, and I'm sure you've done them, those old press like cycles where you would have 20 minute blocks of interviews. Yeah. Yeah. So I must've been the last guy in like a block of 10. And this dude was fucking over it. And the PR <laughs> person was sitting on the phone and I was like, and I was trying to be friendly and like build up a rapport, right. And be like, oh, so, you know how, and keeping in mind, I was like 20 at the time. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, like, what have you been up to? Like, how are you doing? He's like, oh yeah, I'm just eating dinner. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Like what what's for dinner? Like, you know, just trying to hang out. And then we're sort of getting somewhere, but not really. He's clearly over it. And I'm like, so dude, like, 
if you could have a superpower like like this is my icebreaker question what would it be <laughs> and at that precise moment the publicist cuts into this conference call and goes if there's no questions about the album we're just going to move on i was like yeah oh shit oh man uh the answer obviously invisibility i would think to the question uh, yeah i mean what, that depends what on what you're going to use it for right <laughs> yeah invisibility being able to fly would be amazing uh and being able to slow down time would be incredible i think i often wonder like oh imagine if you could just not stop time but just really slow it down imagine what you could do yeah It'd be amazing yeah i i think um i have i have this weird thing around like wanting to be able to focus like energy you know that idea of like static electricity and energy and and be able to move that around like oh you're cold just kind of warm things up a little bit you know oh, but i think that's that, really cool that comes from living in scotland where so, uh, where where else in scotland are you in edinburgh oh cool i love it i love it oh, uh, i have such seen, a beautiful place it's, it's a beautiful place of which i have seen the inside of my flat um because i moved oh, here wow. in february of last year right so just in time to not go anywhere to go precisely nowhere for a year precisely nowhere uh, and I, I remember the first time it sleeted and i thought what the fuck am i doing here <laughs> <laughs> Did, do you not have sleet in new zealand it's a, no it's, it's a thing no and i mean in, in auckland uh, you know we just come from summer where it was we being my partner and i where it was like 28 degrees 27 degrees and so we got off the plane and you know it's a hell of a flight up here right and I got off the plane and, and it's like pissing down with the rain and sleeting. And it's, I think it was like minus two or something, whatever it is in February. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, Jesus, what have I done? Welcome to Scotland. Although uh, in Scotland's defense, the, everyone says the weather's been shit, but the weather's actually been really, really good lately. So, you know, like we have cool. these crisp, sunny days and they're perfect for sitting inside having to do work. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's a... Uh... It's good. I, I I miss being able to go up to Scotland. In fact, mind you, I miss most of life by now. To be honest, yeah. uh, given given how long we've all been now in these pandemic conditions, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just incredible. I don't know about you, but I, I when the calendar ticked over from 2020 over to 2021, that's when I felt like I was like, oh no, this is this like a year is coming up. That's that's dreadful. I was okay until <laughs> the calendar changed, and I'm like, oh no, now I now I can see the anniversary coming up. I'm like, oh no, this is this is starting to mess with me, man. I oh, see. I was super pessimistic going into it. I was like, yeah. everything's fucked. It's gonna be fucked forever. Like, like the the American election. I was like, that's going Republican. The world's gonna end. So when 2021 ticked over and we weren't dead, I was like, this is fucking fantastic. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, I don't know how it was where you were, but we had we had snow here on the first of January, and it felt like it's the first time I'd see snow in ages, and it felt like a new beginning. Uh, so far, 2021 is not a new beginning, but I still, I still feel like there are positive things on the way. There has to have to be. And this, has, this is what I think to get me through these days. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, it was my so it was my first snow, the first one that we had here, and I tried to make a, a snow angel as you know as tradition calls for. Uh, extremely rookie mistake though. I didn't quite have the tuck um, of my layers. In, in mine as well as I should have, um, and I ended up with an incredibly icy ass at the end of it. So. <laughs> yeah, it's probably probably pretty good for a first time though. I'm I'm not sure how snow it's, angels are rated, but uh, if if it's if it's temperature of ass, I think you've done quite well. And and I feel like also if it's a, a fun story that you can share with the internet and a whole bunch of strangers, then that's also kind of a win. Absolutely. I mean, what a podcast for? That's yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I do, although given that this is a loosely music-based podcast, um, very fucking loosely, I wanted, <laughs> before you were talking about how the album, you've worked on the album for like a little bit in 2018, you put it down and you're sort of coming back to it. I'm interested in like, does your perspective on the stuff that you've written change? Do you still, are you like, are you still going, yeah, that's really good. Or like, you're like, Jesus, what was I thinking? Or is it, I mean, I imagine there's a middle ground in there somewhere too, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point there is uh the couple of years means that i'm not so enthused about some songs but then then the challenge becomes right i know these songs are good because i really loved them a couple of years ago that means that people will like it when it comes out i just have to get to a place where i can present it with enthusiasm and you know mm. make them be able to hear it for the first time because the 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 sad thing is that when you or i or whoever makes an album 
in order to go through that process, you've got to hear everything so many times that by the time you get to the end, you just can't hear it anymore. I would mm. love to be able to go and listen to stuff for the first time that I've recorded. Or like, I would love to have that first listen of an album uh, of, of my stuff without already going in with so much baggage. But so that's the, that's the challenge is, how do I present all this kind of, this older stuff, these songs which are a few years old now? Um, how do I how do, how do I get to the point where I, I really like it and the audience really like it? And that's, that is the challenge. Um, thankfully, there are only like half of the songs are old. Others have been writing new. So there are some new, there's like some brand brand new stuff uh, on on the way on there as well. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, though. I'm just kind of like just just get going through the habitual process of making a record. And then yeah. we'll kind of work out what to do with it when it's done, I guess. But it must, it must be nice. I am curious, 10 years later, because um, it's been, I guess this is like the 10th year since Outside There's a Curse came out. Yeah, it's 10 years this Sunday. Well, that was amazing timing. Holy shit. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought you'd researched that and that's why you're asking. No, I mean, I've, I've researched <laughs> the, that I knew it was the year. What I was curious about was would you be Avril Lavigne's boyfriend now? No, no, I still no, wouldn't. Still wouldn't? Uh, that, that song isn't really even about Avril Lavigne. It's kind of strange. Um, but the title, I just needed a title. I didn't have a title. And at the time, um, there was that song, Boyfriend, that she yeah. had, obviously. Right, and there was, I can't remember who the DJ was on Radio 1, but he'd found uh, all of the different language versions that she'd recorded. And so habitually, <laughs> was I, I don't remember who it was. Um, he was habitually playing like this song in different languages and how it sounded. And eventually I was like, right, I've got to make a comment about this somewhere. And it just so happens that it's a comment in the song title. Uh, so there you go. It's, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a brilliant one. Like that's a, that's, it's a pretty cool comment. I gotta, I gotta be honest. If I can geek out for a minute over your record, it's a, <laughs> I, I fucking love that song. Thanks. That probably is still, I'm still amazed that no one has ever, I've never heard from anyone from Avril Lavigne's camp about that song, I guess, just because I'm putting the name of somebody in a, in a song title. Yeah. Uh, so I so, guess in, in, in the Ben Marwood get sued sweepstakes, I would have had that quite highly up the list, I think, <laughs> but it never happened. Phew. What, what would have been number two in the Ben Marwood get sued sweepstakes? Probably murder. She wrote, I think mm -hmm. calling a song murder. She wrote would probably be right up there, but I did have, I had a look, I had a really brief look around to see, you know, what would like it be if I called the song Murder, She Wrote and referenced Murder, She Wrote in the song, would I hear from the people responsible for the trademark of Murder, She Wrote? And I thought I could I just go with it. And it seems to have worked. I really like the song anyway. Uh, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, like referencing other people and other art within art. You know, like it's it's weird for me sometimes if I talk about stuff on the podcast, I, you know, and I'm like, oh, I should be careful about how I say that. You know, I'll, I'll listen back to something and be like, oh, that was a weird thing to say. Like, I'm going to take that out. <laughs> but um, not, you know, necessarily in a, like a disparaging way, but it's it's something we all kind of do, right? Or we all kind of want to do. But in the back of our minds as creators, it's like, oh, is someone going to listen to this and you know, am I going to get like a cease and desist letter from, from someone's lawyer? It's a, I feel like it's a strange state of affairs. Maybe that's just me. Yeah. I, in, in a way it's really punk to get a cease and desist, uh, desist letter probably. Oh, so you, know, if, you, if you've got one, you could frame it. I mean, who was, who was it? Was it Danger Mouse who years and years ago uh, put the white album and the black album together and then mm -hmm. got a cease and desist from somewhere and he framed that. Uh, so, but it's, it's a, uh, yeah, but certainly, but the, the problem with putting like pop culture references into songs is that it means that it guarantees that your songs will age poorly <laughs> <laughs> because like, there's that song JJ Abrams from the first album as well, which yeah. also, which references a whole bunch of pop culture stuff. And I feel like if I have to play that now, there's going to be a time where I have to say, right. So 10 years ago, this is what was popular. And I have to going to have to list like all of the references in there and then just to make the song make sense. It's like that whole thing of kids growing up now without buttons on their phones, you know, like they've yeah. just never known what it's like <laughs> yeah. to have to push the A button, well, the A button, Jesus, the two button multiple times. Yeah. You know, um, and the, it's the, the the old adage of I gave a child a book to read and he didn't know how to open it because it wasn't his tablet, that kind of thing. But the ultimate one of that is giving somebody who's never seen one, one of those old fashioned phones where you have to dial the numbers around in a circle. Mm having one of those ones like in my house when i was a kid and i bet that's the ultimate test of can you make this phone work can you dial this number on this old turn dial phone you know if i'm being completely honest i think i would fail at that i, I was sort of on the the like the cusp of those and landlines so i remember them being around um 
but then I but I more remember going from having like a landline where you had to drag the cord through your bedroom <laughs> to having like a wireless walkabout phone. You know the freedom, man, the freedom yeah. that that gave you. Yeah, man. I remember trying to do prank calls with those like quietly as the phone looped outside the kitchen window and we stood outside with it. Like <laughs> I stood outside with my friends trying to make prank calls, being like, "Oh my god, I hope no one hears us." Oh man, yeah, but there you go. So. um uh, yeah, I think my brother, um, one of my younger brothers, tried to make a prank call once, and he accidentally recorded it. There was like a record function on phones as well back then. <laughs> he accidentally recorded him himself doing the evidence. <laughs> that would be an excellent album opener. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know what happened with it. I imagine it's destroyed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I imagine. Mind. mind you, I think the last album opener that I did had a recording of me as like a child on it. Uh, mm-hmm. So there must be some old recording somewhere. There was one review that said that that was my son, but as far as I know, I don't have a son. That would be a weird way to find out that you had a kid. Yeah, that if I accidentally included audio from him on a, on a track, I was like, where, by the way, where, where did we get this audio? Ah, oh, I've been meaning to tell you, you have a son. <laughs> I feel like they can write that into the next Star Wars, I reckon. That's if I think, you know, we've been talking a bit about like music journalism and, and that kind of questioning thing and i think that's the funny thing now about what makes this uh, being you know podcast and all that kind of shit i don't really consider myself a journalism right it's more of just like hanging out but um that thing with like you guys are so accessible to us now like yourself especially right you've got your your email on your twitter like people i like people can just get in touch and chat anyway and so it, yeah. it, it, it puts a bit of pressure on to to make sure that this is kind of remotely interesting you know yeah you know i've got to be interesting for you is what i mean yeah although i guess it's it's probably my job to be as interesting uh i'm never sure if i'm any good at that so that's why i I don't tend to do too many interviews and stuff i guess because of the pressure of being interesting so it's nice that we can just chat about random shit it's good so far yeah (laughs) that's that's always nice it's like it's going well so far i haven't i haven't reached out to the label and told them to annex you (laughs) (laughs) great great thanks man appreciate it yeah, no, it's good. No, um, and, uh, I mean, because that's the thing, right, is we talk about people being, like, open and, and more connected and stuff. But like me, you don't seem mad keen on social, right? Like, do you kind of tweet, like, once a month or whatever? Yeah. Facebook I mean, every I mean, couple of years. Like, it's a, yeah. is there a sense for you of wanting to, I don't know, just be the songwriter, singer without having to kind of be infinitely internet interesting and memeable and all that sort of shit? Yeah, I went. Um, I went through a phase of just. I was just. I got a new phone. I think is what it was. And yeah. then it was the whole. When I went to download all the apps, I'm like, do I really want Facebook or Twitter on my phone? I'm like, no, actually, I don't think I do. I mean, I I used to be so into social media, but what I did was I ended up just spending my whole time looking down at my phone, like mm. forever. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I'll try without it. And in the end, I kind of, I just didn't didn't miss it so much. I do. I've been trying more now to kind of get back into it but I, I went through just a phase of when i was just oh, i can't even face listen to like my album drum stems that i've recorded i'm i also i let my website go and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and it, i just i just went through this phase of i'm just gonna go having been doing this music stuff and then having been uh worrying about my health i'm just gonna go and be like a normal person for like a while quote unquote normal uh mm-hmm. i'm just gonna go and just do some things that don't involve talking to people and so I watched a load of horror films, loads of them. I really love horror films. Um, I got married. That was fun. Hey. Um, and uh, yeah, just did just normal, quote unquote, normal everyday life. Like watch The West Wing. Never watched The West Wing before. Hmm. Also never seen it. Oh, you should. It's great. It also is aged really well because it looks back at a time when American politics weren't a complete nightmare. <laughs> you know <laughs> you look back and you think oh because it's set in like 1998 i think so that's even before like so it starts even before like like the george bush election of 2000 that made me so angry as a teenager yeah. um but like looking back at him like oh it's like looking back at the good old days of 1998 this is crazy very specific time so when you i mean when you eventually like figure out what you want to do with this new album and that kind of thing do you is there a sense for you that and I may be asking you to think about something you haven't actually thought about yet of like restarting all of that stuff. Or do you feel like you sort of go to the label and they'll, you know, pitch out to people like me and, you know, we just do it old school. I think if, if 
uh, if we get to that that point of it being finished and me like wanting to release it, then I think uh, I probably would restart the social media stuff, and I've definitely got to put my website back up. It only mm. came down accidentally, kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, it was. It's definitely I would I would look to to connect with people more because that I do I do miss it, but sometimes being on Twitter and Facebook was a bit like just doom scrolling. You know what I mean? Oh, so, dude, 100%. Like my Twitter feed just became so much bad news that I was just, I just, I just can't. I just, it's just easier to not open Twitter than kind of uh, filter through some of it. Yeah. I, I set up a Twitter specifically for the podcast and I was like, okay, I'm only going to follow industry people. I'm going to follow like, you know, fans that are talking about interesting stuff and keep it really focused on, on the industry and even then there's just so much drama and I'm yeah, just scrolling I guess that, through and I'm just like what is going on I guess that's the problem with Twitter in a way is that because of the way it's set up it's it's like having everyone together all at once like in Facebook you kind of talk to your friends and your mm. friends of friends can see it but in Twitter you generally just talk to the world yeah. and I, I think that that's the problem that I have is just other people's news and what's important to other people kind of invades invades life uh Mm. unless you just follow accounts that do cat videos which is not necessarily a bad life decision well i mean i'm i I love cats do you have a cat i don't i'm not allowed a cat because uh of the lease i have here but when i buy a house when i when i take on this mountain of debt i will uh (laughs) the first thing i'm gonna do is i'm gonna get a cat and a cat flap yeah, that's that's amazing. This is becoming a thing for this podcast. Um, and I talked to Frank a couple of months ago. We like the first fifteen percent of that podcast is talking about his cat, and then um, talking to Shane from Silverstein the other week. And he's sitting there on like the video call, and you can see that well, I I never get the name of them right. The like cat trees or cat towers, you know, the ones with all the layers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the next thing I know, like we're talking about his cat, and it's just becoming like a punk rock cat podcast, and I fucking love it. That's a great that's crossover. That's yeah. what you, yeah, more than punk and cats. Yeah, heavy, like heavy mill cats is going to be like the next big thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, there, there are a few cats around in this area. I, I love them, and it's it's tempting to steal them all, but you know, it's just you not just, enough hours in the day, man. Just not enough hours. Yeah, you just got to you just feed them all, right? Just leave out a little bit of tuna or whatever cats eat. I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, just get like a, a piece of string and a piece of paper and then gradually pull a piece of paper into the house so that they follow it in. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Oh, toy. New... Yeah, great. Yeah. This, the new album is just going to be about how Ben Marwood steals cats. It's going to be a concept album and it's going to journey through. Track one is my decision to steal cats. Track two is uh, planning it. And track three through 58 is... Uh, the execution and then the gradual adoption of all the cats in my area. I like that you just said track three through 58. The title of this podcast is going to be new Ben Marwood record has 58 tracks. <laughs> yeah, and they're all about cats. Well, I figure, if, you know, cats. that's it. Maybe, but by the time I get around to kind of finishing uh, these new songs, there'll be other new songs. So, but I, I guess that's without kind of the touring world and without um, having any labels that like just waiting for the album at the minute. Uh, it's really up to me when the album is over so maybe maybe that's the future maybe that's 58 tracks because no one came to stop me <laughs> <laughs> is there is there a sense of um i don't i don't know if relaxation's ne- necessarily the right word for this but when you can just work through the album and in, in your own time and and obviously you know we've talked about your sort of journey through the journey sounds um pedantic but like you know the, the process of doing this album coming back to it and not coming back to it is there is there a, like that sense for you where it's kind of nice to just chill out and write the album and it's nice to know that you know you could write 30 songs for it and then choose the best 12 or the best 10 or there's like no external pressure for that yeah it's really it's really really good to have no pressure i don't think pressure really helps uh, any kind of creative process at all because the creative process is normally about freedom um mm and just and relaxation and being open to new ideas so the, i think pressure goes against it so to, to be able to kind of work through stuff in my own time surely is is is, is a good it's a good thing to to be able to do and that's one good thing that's going to come out of this pandemic i guess is when it's over we're going to hear from bands who've had some extra time to write albums and they're going to be great the other thing we're going to get is quarantine songs yeah they're going to suck 
<laughs> I think uh, just to tie back to the horror films there, like everyone is like, oh, I wonder if we'll have like loads of really good horror movies about the pandemic. I'm like, well, probably not because which studio is going to pay you money to make a film about this horror- horrendous experience? Uh, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for not much quarantine content because yeah. I feel like, because it's something that the world has gone through. I don't think there's a lot to be said about it. Maybe some comedians will be able to do some really good stuff about it if they do it in the right way. But I'm not sure I'd, a song is, is good. Talking it's about... Good, like, yeah, no, sorry, you go. Uh, I, I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be writing a song about a quarantine anyway. That's a relief. It's a weird thing because like you try to, as much as we try to like navigate it around, you know, like interviews on bands and stuff, it's generally the reason that certain kinds of things are happening. You know, like if a band's doing press for an online live show, you can't really not talk about the fact that like we can't all get together and see the band in person, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's that weird sort of um, cloud. But just before you, you were saying about how it's obviously something everyone's experienced. I mean, when you're writing songs, they're generally about like things that you've experienced, right? And people go out and they find their own ways into, into the songs. But for you, is there a sense of like, knowing how much you want to share in a song and how much you don't want to share? Or is there a sense of, you know, I don't, I don't want to say putting on a character in the sense that like it's fictionalized, but you know, you sort of go, this is what you're trying to create or this, is, you, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that, that, that makes perfect sense. There's definitely a, uh, it, de- it depends what the song's about. Sometimes I would write a song and I know exactly what I want to say and what it needs to be about. And in those cases, I tend to be more direct. But in other cases, if it's like a song which is written on like an emotional level, then yeah, there there is definitely a sense that those those are slightly more difficult to uh, to pin down because everyone experiences emotions slightly differently and everyone's experiences are slightly different. So you kind of have to uh, not be quite so definite in, in what in what I'm trying to say about about that that kind of thing. I'm I'm all for songs which are a mystery, songs which aren't like completely laid out um, like a like a like a definitive story. I get that from. Uh, there's a band called the Long Winters who ran about 15 years ago from mm-hmm. Seattle, um, and uh, they they were really big on that as well. They're like really emotional songs, but if you had to write down what the song was about, you probably couldn't do it so much. Uh, that's good. So, so, how many people have you killed? Uh, well, I've killed eight so far. Yeah, because um, there's lock and key, and then you know, like, are we we're working through the kind of Ben Marwood's bodies in the back garden thing yeah yeah well i mean lock and key wasn't about me so much but that, i guess that's a problem when you sing about uh things in the first person is yeah. uh, everyone just assumes that there's lots of bodies in your back garden um but yeah so uh thankfully uh no no murders lately but i do i do love a good murder mystery and i love mm-hmm. a good murder ballad like there are some there are some bands who are really good where they have some really uh, not violent songs, but just very dark songs, very brooding songs. Um, some friends of mine are in a band or were in a band called the Quiet Quiet Band. And mm. they were they were really, really good at just these brooding like uh, shanties and uh, murder ballads effectively. And I, I think that's that's a really good, uh, it's just, it's just a, a really good style of music that, that I, I enjoy uh, as long as it doesn't bleed into your real life persona. That's an interesting thing, right? Because I feel like in a way, and I'm guilty of this too, we treat music separately to how we would treat like films or literature, right? Like I probably wouldn't ask Ian Rankin how many people he's killed because I get that Ian Rankin's not out there killing people. But when you're well, producing, well, well, he might be. <laughs> I actually don't, I, mean, I can't definitively say that. The, the reason that you've never seen that question written down in an interview is because I hear that anyone who asks Ian Rankin that question disappears short, shortly afterwards. And I'm about to find out that that's also true for people that ask Ben Marwood that question. No, 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 no <laughs> people care about asking Ben Marwood that kind of question. Uh, but, but, yeah, you know, uh, but there's yeah, a sense of like, we know what he's doing is, is fiction. And we know that, you know, sometimes you and you, and you um, inhibit a character, right? And you come up with something to, to like write a murder ballad. But I guess because you're singing it, it's kind of like you did it. Yeah, that's right. And I think there's always been that uh, that kind of line. Was it? Have you seen that Johnny Cash Walk the Line movie mm. that was, I guess, a good few years ago now? Um, but there's a bit, it's the, the bit in that film where he sings Folsom, is it Folsom Prison Blues? And then uh, he gets letters from people who thinks he's really in prison. I think there is a, there is a bit of 
of that uh well if you're a musician you're singing about it then it must be your true feeling whereas an author will write about it or a filmmaker will make it and they're like well clearly there's somebody up there pulling the strings you know they're disconnected from the thing why do you think that is uh i guess because when you when somebody writes a book and you read it you're reading it yourself to yourself hmm. and when somebody makes a movie they're directing it but they're not starring in it that you're aware but when i sing a song i'm singing it and i've written it and uh so it it does make it that much more personal i think do you think that like because and that's an interesting thing with music right is we often feel like we know the person that we're listening to you know i said this to frank um the other month and i was like you know because we're talking about life lessons right and we're talking about how much he's you know, grown in popularity. And he was saying that he has people that email him from time to time and ask him like about life choices, like, oh, should I do this or should I do this? And I kind of joked that you could listen to his albums and be like, oh, okay, here's a bunch of stuff that I'm not going to do. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you sort of get the, the thing. But um, yeah, I guess I've totally sort of lost my train of thought on that. But I think it was it was more sort of going towards the idea that we feel like we know people when we spend so much time with their music, but actually there's nothing that says you can't just sit down and write whatever you want and sing about it. You know, that's right. And I, it, again, it, it comes down to who's delivering it. Like when Frank sings stuff, it makes you feel like more connected to him. But <laughs> when I see Frank turning the sleeping souls and I hear Frank sing about mittens, I'm not like, ah, Nigel Powell must like mittens. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it's all about who, um, who is delivering, who, who, who you're hearing and, and what they're telling you that, that completely dictates that. And yeah, that's, that's true. So it's less about like Ben Marwood likes murder and more about Ben Marwood likes horror movies, right? Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, although I do love a good murder. Yeah. Tell me <laughs> more. <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. I, I guess it all ties in with murder she wrote. I love the, uh, like the murder mysteries and the hammy murder mysteries. I love all that kind of thing. Um, my before this pandemic started probably i think it was february last year some uh my friend megan and i we went to prince charles cinema in london mm -hmm. and we went to see have you heard of like sing along a murder she wrote yeah it's yeah. kind of like a solve along like so we did that and that was great uh so but there's there's definitely there's always been i've always been a fan of like dark kind of stuff just like the horror films and and like dark not so much dark literature i guess but just stuff which has a if something has a sad ending or like a an unexpected twist. I'm 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 fine with that. I I guess I'm drawn to stuff where things aren't quite as straightforward as they seem, and murder mysteries kind of fit into that mm. really well. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, right? Like, I I tend to gravitate towards that stuff more than than other things. I think there's a there's an old interview that um, Seether did where he someone asked him why all his songs were so sad or something like that. This is from like well over a decade ago. And he's like, well, there's a sense of if you're feeling happy and you're feeling good, like you want to keep that emotion inside you, right? But if you're feeling like down, you could you want to get that out. And and for him, it was like getting those emotions out was with songs and all those kinds of things. That's a really nice way of putting it. I mean, I, it's, uh, that's that's pretty much hit the nail on the head. Although it does change how people look at you sometimes. Like if mm -hmm. uh, there have been family reunions where somebody would be like, I've heard your latest album. Is everything okay? Mm. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, why? Why'd you say? I'm, you know, oh, well, do you ever think about maybe writing, I don't know, happier music? I'm like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> why would I do that? Uh, I just, I just don't think I'm very. I think you kind of, you kind of go back to what you know. Uh, mm. I'm not sure I'd write a very good happy song because in the middle of all these major chords, I'm gonna throw in a minor chord and then everything is sad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Whereas people, some people are really good at writing happy songs. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's, there's obviously places for, for both, right? That's the joy of music. Yeah, that's right. There was a local band here in Reading uh, about 15, 20 years ago, and they had a song. I think it was them called uh i tried to write a happy song but it made me sad mm -hmm. uh, which i think is a perfect encapsulation of some music <laughs> yeah totally and i think i mean like the beauty of sad songs though and this is my emo side coming out is like there's always a song when you need a song 
you know that's a, like there's like a sad song and it's that funny thing where i'll play tracks from like growing up to my girlfriend and i'm like oh have you heard the song like i grew up with it and and it'll, it'll be playing and i'll be like holy fucking shit this is a sad song and, and it reminds <laughs> you of all that it's like wow like i was a messed up kid but then it's got like a really good beat right or a really good rhythm and she's like man this is such a great song and like you're sitting right beside each other having these completely different experiences <laughs> of, of, over sad music all right, name and shame. What kind of bands are we talking about here? Oh man, I have a whole like playlist um, that I did that for, and I don't want to throw out the really obvious ones like you know Pearl Jam and Radiohead and stuff, but uh-huh. like Rise Against, like Swing Life Away. Um, do, do you know that band Hinder that did that song that no. was really famous for a while called Lips of an Angel? Uh, I don't remember so, it, but, so, I, but now I, I can go look it up after this podcast. This it, it is not necessarily a good song, but it was really good <laughs> in like 2007, really good, really big in like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008 or something like that. And um, it's a song about a guy who's cheating on his girlfriend and he's talking to the girl that he's cheating on on the phone while his girlfriend's in the other room, right? The problem is mm-hmm. the song is incredibly catchy. <laughs> and and it's and it's kind of in a and and this is I mean it shows you how well it's put together because not only is it catchy but it feels romantic when you listen to it you know like he's okay. telling this girl that he's calling that's like she's got the lips of an angel and he misses her and he loves her and but you're kind of having to remind yourself that there's literally someone in the other room and like that's why he's whispering because he's a dickhead you know wow. and you're listening to it like wow this guy is such a dick. But also, the song is so catchy and feels quasi romantic. That's and, that's the kind of dark stuff I can get behind. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or like that puddle of mud song. Um, what is it? She hates me. That one's such a good one too. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I I remember that one. Uh, that's probably the only puddle of mud song I could name. Uh, I think, yeah, <laughs> I think it's the only puddle of mud song anyone could name. Occasionally, I sing that to my wife. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Um, but in terms of music, that I it. Going back to what you were originally saying, in terms of that kind of music where you can have two people having completely different experiences. Uh, I'm like that when I listen to bands like uh, Saves the Day mm-hmm. from like years and years ago. It encapsulated the time perfectly in my life where I thought they were the best band in the world for about a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now when I listen to it, I'm having both those experiences. I'm remembering what it's like now and I'm hearing it, you know, what it was like then. And I'm hearing it now. And I'm like, somewhere in the middle is, is reality. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ah, some of those days today songs are great. Yeah. And, and that's the funny thing around, and I, I, I often wonder if it's the same for, you know, like people like yourself, when we listen to music and we go back and we're like, man, I've really aged out of this band, but do you feel like you've aged out of stuff that you write? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. Just because like just, uh, some songs age better than others. Like there are some yeah. songs that now I'm not sure I'd be able to remember how to play from stuff like that or there's probably not even like the older stuff there are probably songs from the last album i did that if you asked me how to play them now i'd be like i'm not even sure i don't even remember writing this song uh, <laughs> that's the sign yeah, of so, a good song so the, isn't it yeah so there are definitely plus the stuff that you say that you want to say there must be songs that i wrote when i was about 20 when i was far more angrier and with but at the same time with far more hope like in general mm-hmm. um i probably would listen to that and be like oh no no stop yeah. that who is this boy you know but there you go that's just it's just part of life yeah totally and i guess that's the fun thing about them right is, is they they kind of act as time capsules in their own way except not just for you you know like they're time capsules for like everyone that listens to them yeah yeah like i remember the first song of yours that i heard because i found you through um uh, there's that song that frank turner's got and he he like lists a whole bunch of people and you're one of them and it's you and um, Sean McGowan, I think, and, and someone else in this verse. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Like, I'll check out these artists. But I remember the first song of yours that I heard was the um, Postal Service cover, The District Sleeps Alone. I mean, like, awesome song, awesome cover, right? But, like, yeah. every time I hear the Postal Service version of it, I think of your version of it. Because that was my introduction to the Postal Service as well. And that sort of weird musical Man. web of the way everything comes out. That's really nice of you. That's a really nice compliment to to kind Aww. of get. I mean, for 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 a start, I I love that Frank has me in a song. I think that like I and I'm not sure how I can ever repay him. Uh, I think the song is uh, "Pass It Along." Maybe that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 great. Um, and in terms of the postal service cover, like I, the postal service was so great. For I'm not sure I could think of another band who just pretty much had one album 
but it was such a good album that you don't necessarily ever need another one. Mm. I mean, that's the ideal, right? If I if I did mm. a podcast and it was such a good podcast that I could yeah. just I could just do that and leave it as my legacy. That's the goal. Yeah, it's 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 so it it's so good, and it was such a perfect marriage of um of the the Jimmy Tambro stuff and um what's his name Ben Gibbard. Uh, they they work together so well. I think uh, it's, there's also like there's a there's a bit of romance in there about how they communicated by mail, and the, that's how they got it called the postal service. Yeah, um, could you imagine that communicating by mail? It sounds so nice, and yet. Yeah, I mean the only the only mail I get these days is bills or BT telling me that my TV package is changing. So I would love I would love to get like a USB stick or something in the mail from someone. Like, hey, I, here's half here's half a song. Please do the other half. I mean, if I could write songs, I would send you one. The only mail I get is for the previous person that lived in my flat and it's debt collectors wondering where the fuck they've gone. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. I forgot to tell them that I was moving. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very exciting, especially considering we have extremely similar names. It's, it's like, oh, something seems fishy here. Right. If anyone's listening who knows anything about that, contact the debt collectors, <laughs> please. Get off Seb's back. He doesn't need this, man. He's a serious podcaster. Oh, thanks, man. I don't know about the serious part, but uh, I do I do my very best. Well, I mean, I always had an idea of podcasting as being something that happened kind of like under very dim lamplight yeah. uh, in like in like a study surrounded by rich mahogany at like 11 in the evening. So this whole me studying in my spare room at midday is, is really kind of it's really crushing my perspective on life. Dude, it's the same for me. I remember listening to them before I started doing it, being like, oh, that sounds so good. And then once I realized the barrier to entry was so low, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh okay. There was there was a point in time where all of a sudden everyone had a podcast. I think my mum has a podcast. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing, right? Where like everyone can do it, but we sh and this probably goes for me too. Like we shouldn't all have one. Yeah, but, easy you know. to start, hard to master. Occasionally, somebody says, "Do you want to set up a, like a like a podcast about horror?" I'm like, "No, the the world is full. We don't need any more podcasts." Oh, that it. could be fun though. We've we've hit our limit. That's it. Uh, although there are some there are some really good um, podcasts that are still coming out now, like the band Tong. Have you heard of the band Tong? They're based in like London. They're uh, I think they're like electronica folk kind of stuff. They've mm -hmm. got like a new podcast called Tong Presents the Dead Club. Or just that sounds very club, cool. Um, where they kind of go through with like these these experts and they talk on death and that kind of thing. And Ooh. yeah, death is an area I, I kind of struggle with normally, but they've made an album out of it and it's it's really beautiful. So that's that's a relatively new podcast as well. So I think as long as pod, new podcasts kind of have a purpose and they do something which other podcasts aren't doing, mm. then that's that's all good. So so I mean I, I'm not aware of another podcast doing this this kind of this kind of thing. Talking about cats, you mean? <laughs> yeah, talking about cats, but but you know, getting musicians on and and talking about stuff alongside the music. Like I was today when if you'd have told me that I'd be talking about cats today, I'd wonder what kind of conference calls I'd be on during the day. But, yeah, it's, hey, it's for a podcast. It's all good. That, uh, that's the cool thing, though, right? Is that you can be kind of indulgent and and you can get to know someone in a way that's so much better than having a twenty minute interview slot. And, it, you know, I mean, if you're a, like, if you're a good interviewer, you can get a lot of that feeling as well. And you can kind of understand like how to work that time to your advantage. But I think, I mean, we've been talking for about an hour. And so it's like, you know, we've covered so much ground and I feel like people listening to this are going to, I mean, they're going to know a shitload more about me. That's for sure. But also <laughs> hopefully, you know, know more about you and, and the person behind, you know, the, the reason you don't want to be Avril Lavigne's boyfriend. So, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, she just seems like trouble to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just really good. To, it's, it's good to take a step away from music as well, because that's all about what I've been doing the last few years. And and plus, music is such a hard thing to to compute, like in the middle of the day on a Thursday when there's no gigs happening anywhere in the world. Mm. Uh, so it's nice to just be able to just relax and, and chat. It's good. That's good. Dude, thank you so much for hanging out. It's been a really, really good time. Man, it's a pleasure. I just, uh, I just hope that uh, this is more interesting than uh, than the call I have to do next. <laughs> I just hope that you get that cat. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, uh, my mum was really good at uh, when we were small. She would just attract cats wherever she went. So I figure I could just deploy whatever pheromone that she had that did that, and they will just come running. That sounds good. I want to be the first to know. Thank you, dude. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, it's really good to speak to you. Thank you. You too.
Your palms are sweaty And I'm barely listening To last demons I'm staring at the asphalt Wondering what's buried underneath Where I Why I 